0: and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message.
1: Church, we're coming to a close in this series entitled, The Mountain of
2: God's Sovereignty.
1: We learn so much about this facet of God, His sovereignty. God is in control. He has total dominion. He is the King of Kings.
2: In other
1: words, a theological way of saying that is God is omnipotent, He
2: is all powerful. God has written our stories, every one of our stories.
1: All of society's stories and our personal stories, billions of people, God has written their story. In other words, God is omniscient.
2: He is all-knowing
1: therefore even in your darkest moments God is with you he has designed it and he's going to use your life to display
2: his glory to the world around you as
1: we close the series today there's one more aspect of God's sovereignty I want to teach
2: What is that aspect? His
1: presence. The presence of God is really important for your life. When you tie sovereignty and His presence together, you get His omnipresence. God is everywhere at the same time.
2: Here's
1: a marvelous thing about God. He is He is in the past, He is in the present, and He is in the future all at the same time,
2: right now. God
1: knows everything and He is everywhere. That's what makes him sovereign. When you understand that His presence has already been everywhere, you understand
2: how sovereign He is his presence makes a difference. While
1: growing up in Mesquite, Texas, my cousins and I, we lived about a few houses from each other. We shared
2: an alley between our house. Almost every
1: day after school, on most Saturdays, we would run through that alley from our
2: house to their house. But
1: there were a few houses that we were a little bit scared of.
2: It's
1: always the houses with the sign
2: that says, Beware of dog. I don't know
1: why, but the guy with the biggest dog
2: had the smallest fence. It
1: was a chain link fence so I could see the dog and unfortunately the dog could see me. One day, my brother and I were running to our cousin's house and we see this big greyhound dog running to
2: us towards the fence. For some reason
1: that day, Sovereign God allowed this dog to jump over the
2: fence and land it in the alley. My brother and I, we were
1: screaming at the top of our lungs. We began to run really fast to my cousin's house with this
2: dog chasing us. My brother is very slim and very fast. And I, I am not. So the dog was getting closer to me. When my brother tells this story, he keeps
1: saying, I don't have to outrun the dog, I just have to beat Linson. (laughs) They hear us screaming, they hear the dog barking, my big cousin comes running out of his garage into the alleyway towards us he comes running at us with the basketball in his hand he's yelling at the dog he looks like he's going to throw the basketball at the dog
2: man that
1: dog got really scared he stopped barking he just sat down in the
2: alley
1: my cousin was holding us both and I was breathing really hard well
2: you know because of my size
1: we stood there the dog looked at us growling showing his teeth and we just stood and
2: looked at the dog
1: slowly my cousin took us from the dog and back to his house
2: safely
1: my brother and I realized that we were safe not because the dog was gone
2: but because my big cousin was there. In the same way, in our life,
1: we cannot ask God to remove all the troubles and dangers from our
2: life. We live in a broken world full of danger and
1: disappointment and darkness is always around but despite those troubles God is with us God does not take away the storm but he is a God that rides through the storm with you
2: this
1: is another aspect of God's sovereignty
2: he is with you in the midst of trouble. His presence makes it such that we don't have to fear.
1: So the main point today is this. We are safe not because of the absence of danger but because of the presence of God we are safe not because of the absence of danger but because of the presence of a sovereign God
2: you see
1: Moses and the Hebrews they experienced this as they left
2: Egypt they learned that God was with them they didn't have to fear.
1: His God was guiding and guarding them. Amen. Let's look at Exodus chapter 13 starting in verse
2: 17.
1: I'll read it in English. It says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return back to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with them because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Verse 20, after leaving Sokoth, they came to and camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By the day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Turn to chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites now to turn back and encamp near pi Hariroth, between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea, directly opposite from Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land and they are confused, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. Amen. Amen. This text teaches us two things about sovereignty.
2: First, our Sovereign God, He guides us. Number two, our Sovereign God, He guards us he is our guide and he is our guardian
1: we are safe not because of the absence of danger but because of the presence of the
2: most high God amen
1: church would you allow yourself to open your heart this morning
2: I think God wants to take this truth deep into your heart
1: I don't know what you might be facing at work or in your family or in your body but God
2: is saying I'm with you we as
1: pastors are teaching this truth because if you understand
2: sovereignty it will change your life fear has no place in a person that follows god
1: Amen. First, our
2: sovereign God guides us. The
1: God of Moses went to war against Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt each God in Egypt they lost to the Hebrew God of the heavens because Yahweh never loses a
2: battle if you turn
1: to Exodus chapter 12 verse 31 you will see that God was working
2: in Pharaoh's heart this defeated Pharaoh was so defeated
1: that he let the people of
2: Israel go he even asked Moses could you bless me before you leave
1: the Hebrews plundered the Egyptians they took all all their treasures
2: out of Egypt and walked out free. Here's an
1: important truth about
2: sovereignty. When God guides you, your enemies will surrender. Not
1: only will they surrender, but they will ask you to
2: bless them and then they will bless you. See,
1: the presence of God really makes a difference, even in your
2: conflicts. Amen. Next, we see in chapter 13, verse
1: 17, that God begins to guide the Hebrews through a new way
2: we can
1: see from the text that it is a longer route and it is a
2: more difficult route why did God do that?
1: Why would God take a longer, more difficult way to get
2: someplace? It
1: says in the text God knows that if these people face war, they will go right back to
2: Egypt. God knows that we are weak and feeble people.
1: God knows that we will even give up on our own deliverance. We will give up on our own deliverance. So sometimes God
2: takes us the long way. Where does this
1: road go? This wilderness road dead ends at the Red
2: Sea. It seems like
1: a foolish way to go. All of our own wisdom, all of our own strategy says, God, this is an inappropriate
2: route.
1: We look to God and say, your route is foolish, I am more
2: wise. Have you
1: ever felt in life that you knew better than God?
2: Come
1: on, God, this cannot be the right way. Why can't you look? why can't you see God? There's a way easier
2: way than when you, the way you are taking me. And
1: God is asking you to trust him.
2: What is, what is foolish in your own eyes is wisdom before God. God goes
1: before the Hebrews as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so they can travel both
2: in day and night. Sometimes God knows
1: that a shortcut is not going to be good for you. God knows that the difficult way is going to teach you something that you need for the next season.
2: God is guiding you for a reason. Are you following?
1: Okay, so far we're okay. Let's look at Exodus 14 starting in verse 1.
2: God
1: made
2: the Hebrews
1: look like they were lost to Pharaoh Pharaoh received a report that the Hebrews were going around in circles lost in the wilderness Pharaoh heard the Hebrews are confused surrounded by the desert and the wilderness okay God I can follow you but what I cannot handle
2: is when people make fun of me for following you
1: God told you to go that way but most of the world is mocking you and telling you that you are confused
2: have you ever thought about
1: the way that God might take you To make you look foolish in front of your family, your friends, your co-workers And you ask God, are you
2: really sovereign? God, because he's
1: sovereign, has a plan for you, but he also has a plan for your critics.
2: Remember,
1: they are not mocking you, they are mocking God.
2: God
1: makes you look foolish in front of them because that is what God's specialty is he takes the wisdom of this world and makes it look foolish and makes you you look foolish to bring about the wisdom of God on this earth amen
2: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
1: During the late 1800s, a a bishop named Bishop Wright he used to preach every week against technological
2: advances. He used to print articles in the newspaper
1: talking about the danger of trusting new technology one of his most famous speeches
2: was putting down the thought of air flight
1: he said it was not in the will of God for man to learn to fly through the air with
2: machines it is unnatural Little did
1: Bishop Wright know that what his two sons were
2: going to do. His sons were named Orville and Wilbur Wright and you know who they are.
1: These two brothers invented the airplane these brothers faced so much hardship so many failed
2: experiments many
1: teased them they told them what they were doing was impossible they, some people told them it was
2: unbiblical that it was unnatural but on December 17th of 1903,
1: the Wright brothers launched their first airplane into the sky. They had no shortcuts. They only had the difficult route in front of
2: them.
1: They had so many critics, everybody telling them what they were doing was foolish, even their own father.
2: But
1: during a ceremony where they received a medal for their invention, their
2: dad was brought there to do the opening prayer. This is what the bishop prayed. We have
1: come together to celebrate invention, the dream of all ages, what we thought was
2: impractical. Now,
1: Father, it suddenly breaks on our human vision that man, cleaving to the air like a bird, can rise to immense height, and reach immeasurable
2: distances. God
1: give us peace and grace as mankind learns to fly.
2: Amen.
1: Just like that, their father, their critic prayed a blessing at
2: their ceremony. When
1: God is your guide, it does not matter what the critics
2: have to say. When
1: God is your guide,
2: what do you have to fear? Consider your own life this morning. Are you looking for a shortcut? Are you looking for the easy way? What if
1: God knows that's
2: not the best way for you? Do you feel lost? Do you feel people are teasing you? Are people saying you're foolish because you
1: followed this God of the heavens? What if it's better to trust in the presence of God than worry about the
2: absence of their remarks? Here's
1: what I want to tell each of you when you leave this place. Let them make fun of you. God is our guide.
2: God is our guide.
1: He is sovereign. He's already been to the future and He's come back and He's telling us it is all going to be
2: all right. We are safe
1: not because of the absence of danger, but because of the presence of an
2: Almighty God. Amen? are God. your guide this morning? are you willing to follow
1: him? If so, you will never be lost. Amen. The second thing is our sovereign God guards
2: us. You look in chapter 14 starting in verse 4. For some reason
1: God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. He's making them now pursue the Hebrews.
2: It's
1: crazy. Pharaoh now is getting all of his chariots, all of his manpower, all of his horses, and pointing them at the Hebrews to chase them.
2: These are the moments that we began to really worry in life.
1: In our worst moments, we look to God and say, God, you led
2: me into a trap. Look, God, I'm
1: here at work. I did everything you told me to do. Now I'm in a trap. God, I try to do everything to reconcile our family, but now I find myself in
2: a trap. These are the moments where your past is
1: haunting you. You have present obstacles and you can't see the future. You're
2: trapped. You know, our community is very good
1: at, um, maybe my parents, probably you too, are very good at sensing
2: trouble. You can tell if things aren't
1: right in the family, you can sense the trouble
2: before you get to the doctor you can sense some trouble even
1: before you go into work even before you turn on zoom you can sense
2: the trouble why
1: are you bringing us this way sovereign God What will you do during these
2: times? Look
1: what the Hebrews did in chapter
2: 14 verse 10.
1: They said they were terrified and they began to become very cynical.
2: What did they say?
1: I love the cutting remarks of the Hebrews, it reminds me of Malayali's, very cutting remarks.
2: Was it because there were no graves in Egypt? Is that why you brought us here? Why would you take us out? Why would you take us out of Egypt?
1: here's the best thing it would have been better to have been slaves in Egypt than to be out here
2: okay,
1: notice two things that are happening to the people
2: two things happen
1: to us when we lose our faith in a sovereign God when we forget that God is our guide and we forget that God is our guard we begin to do two things we move from critical thinking to criticism to cynicism
2: When things get tough, we become the biggest critics in the world. Man,
1: social media has taken this to the next level. Man, there are critics everywhere we say the most faithless and hurtful statements when we lose
2: faith let me
1: tell you why what they said was so cutting you see Egypt it's known for its beautiful tombs and they perform the best funerals and have the best places to be buried
2: So they're
1: looking at Moses, man, we could have been buried in style back in Egypt. They could have buried us really good there. Who's going to
2: bury us here? this is a very cutting
1: remark against Moses' leadership
2: when you have no faith you become very critical I had this
1: engineering friend uh, who used to be very pessimistic Uh, Every time we started a project, he always said it was going to fail.
2: Uh, At
1: first I thought he was kind of funny, but
2: then later I didn't like it anymore.
1: Here's the truth, this guy, he was way smarter than me, but he kept having a negative attitude.
2: Me and him, we didn't get along because I was so
1: optimistic.
2: He would always say, man,
1: we're going to fail. I said, man, I don't know. Maybe God is going to just change the grade.
2: Miraculously. Here's the thing.
1: Both our words came
2: true. A guy
1: smarter than me failed engineering and a guy dumber than him, me,
2: passed engineering. Note
1: that when you lose faith you become very cynical and very critical.
2: Watch your
1: words. Watch your thoughts. Don't forget that God is your guard.
2: Second
1: Not only do you have cynicism, but you have misplaced nostalgia. Nostalgia, meaning that you love what happened in the past.
2: Even if it was really bad for you. (laughs) The Hebrews said that slavery...
1: Slavery under Pharaoh is better than being free in the wilderness. When you lose faith, you have a tendency to reframe your bad
2: past as good. We look to heaven and say, Man, God is
1: God, everything is so hard now. Everything was better in the past. When? When you were a slave? Yes, that was so much better,
2: God.
1: My brother-in-law is a cardiologist, so he has to meet with patients that have heart problems all the time. They have a heart attack, and then my brother-in-law says, hey man,
2: you need to exercise, and you need to eat right.
1: So many people in front of him think, man, life was so much better before I met you.
2: He's like, what do you mean,
1: before me? Before me was a heart attack. Man,
2: that was better than being here. <laughs> As
1: a cardiologist, he's trying to protect you. Eat right, live right, you know, lose some weight, and you're going to be good. They're like, man,
2: this is the worst. I want to go back. Why do you want to go back? Because our nostalgia
1: makes even a heart attack look good.
2: They say, let's just rest, die, be happy. And my brother-in-law says, yeah, you're going to die. Nostalgia.
1: Nostalgia. We look at the past differently when we lose faith. Church, that's why the first thing Moses did was to replace all of this cynicism and all of this nostalgia with faith. Look what he tells him in verse 13.
2: These
1: people are saying slavery is good.
2: And Moses
1: says no. He reminds the people God will fight for you. You just be still. He replaces all of that with faith in a God that will guard you you don't actually have to do anything God will guard you God will fight for you and you just need to be still why does that
2: matter why does it matter to be still
1: when you know God is sovereign, that God, nothing surprises God. God is all powerful. The only option you
2: really have is to be still.
1: In front of every problem in your life, God is saying, hold your
2: peace. Don't fight, just be still just be still I'm going to reveal myself but instead of being still what's our temptation we become so desperate we become so fearful we start to search YouTube and look everywhere we become angry we become a critic
1: we become impatient we even become
2: so presumptuous that we think we can fix it better than God but God is telling you stop moving I'm your guard not you
1: in other words God is trying to say this is my fight
2: not your fight this is my fight for
1: my glory not your fight you be still you see that God is the main character of history not me or you look what happens in
2: verse 19
1: this pillar of cloud comes between the pharaoh and the people of Israel he comes between them
2: He was guiding,
1: now he's coming to guard. God begins to create confusion in the Egyptian army.
2: As they're riding their chariots, God
1: jams the wheels of the chariots. As they come into the Red Sea, God brings the waters over them and washes
2: them clean no one survives do you see how involved God is this is his fight it's not yours
1: all the people of Israel did is walk on dry
2: ground do you feel that your enemy is targeting you do you feel
1: surrounded by issues in your
2: life do you feel feel a critical spirit in your life stop, be still
1: God guards you and your family Like a watchful lion of Judah standing at the gates of your house, God guards you and your family.
2: I have to end
1: with one more thing. Look at chapter 14, verse 30. There, on the other side of the Red Sea, Moses and Miriam are standing together, and look what this verse
2: says.
1: The nation of Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the
2: shore. At that moment, Miriam
1: is standing next to Moses, and I wonder what came to her mind what came to her mind when she saw a generation of Egyptian men dead in the water she probably said his name Moses, Moses Your name means
2: drawn out of the water.
1: Drawn out of the water when an entire generation of Hebrew boys were dead in the water.
2: (laughs) We wanted vengeance. We wanted to make the
1: scales of justice right. But there on the shore, Miriam realized, Moses realized, this was God's fight from the beginning.
2: At
1: both of their feet, they saw generations of Egyptians dead in the water. This is what happens when the evil one comes against his people. Why do I say this with confidence?
2: Because we are safe
1: not because of the absence of danger but because of the presence of a living
2: God.
1: God is our guardian.
2: With every head
1: bowed, let's move into a time of reflection. Would you open up your mouth and start talking to God?
0: Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.